Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and I am here, as always, with Father Chuck. <clears throat> I'm here. Present accounted for. And we're so glad you are. And we're also here with... Okay, can I just say... I, uh, no, you at can't. Least, at, least, at, least, at, least, at, least, at least I showed up this time. Ooh. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Mm. We're going to go there already. <laughs> and uh, on that note, I'm also here with Matt. Oh, yeah, it's it's on now. That's why I said I would not like this to be publicly broadcast because it's going to get <laughs> ugly and we might need to edit out some of the things I say to good old Father Chuck here during this Gosh. conversation. Yeah, because he doesn't want to have it. Or he to it. He doesn't want to have it on the public record saying profanity at a priest. That's that's ever a good thing for for yeah. furthering your brand. Let's so introduce like, our guest because I don't care about Father Chuck right now. Go ahead. And, <laughs> and joining us for her first round of music mayhem is Amy. Thank you, Amy, for being here. So glad to be here. Thank you. <laughs> um, guys, I I, I mean I'm, I'm a little shocked. That 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 we finally did this. I mean, I guess it was kind of inevitable uh, what, because like Thanos. yes, a little bit, and that uh, half of half of this podcast is probably going to disappear, or half of our audience is going to disappear. Well, <laughs> Thanos, Thanos, Thanos said, "I'm inevitable." That's that's. I, I mean, I, and, that was, I that was that, the reference. I saw the movie too. I saw the movie. It's the reference. I just the movie. He's going to be argumentative <laughs> for this entire episode. Father Chuck's just going to be on a roll. <laughs> Father Chuck, okay, just say what you want to say. Get it out of the way so we can move forward. <laughs> well, well, I'll get to him. He'll, he's going to have his moment. He'll have his moment, and then Matt and Chuck will have their moment. And it's uh, this is almost this kind of reminds me of like a like a like a like a wrestling event. You know, like there's really layers to this theme today. It seems <laughs> okay. So let, this week's album is uh, "No Strings Attached" <laughs> by NSYNC. And uh, if you guys uh, don't mind, I have some 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 notes. I do not mind. Me. You talk as much as you want about NSYNC, good sir. <laughs> All right, <laughs> here we go. If you're not familiar with NSYNC, cue the music. Lou Pearlman was an Orlando-based entrepreneur who owned a company called Transcontinental Management. Pearlman specialized in Learjets, Chippendale dancers, and boy bands. Some of these boy bands that Perlman helped form were LFO, C-Note, Phoenix Stone. Phoenix Stone? Phoenix Stone fans? Any Phoenix Stone fans? No? Okay. O-Town, and of course, Backstreet Boys. But there was another group of very good boys that he came to manage. It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. But when we are apart, I feel it. Justin, Chris, Joey, Lance, JC, also known collectively as NSYNC. Perlman grossed more than $2 billion managing these groups. And while their self-titled album was the fifth most best-selling album of 1998, Perlman was greedy, and NSYNC didn't believe that they were making their fair share of the royalties. It wasn't before long that our very good boys told Lou, bye, bye, bye. Well, 
we kind of realized what we wanted to to convey to everyone is that we're not puppets on strings that there's a preconception about a group that may look like us but i mean this is our heart and soul on this record and we thought what better you know way to say it than no strings attached we're even happier with this album than we are the last record we feel like this this record's got an energy that honestly no record has you know it's something exciting for us um and that's why we, we want to just do it everywhere we, we feel like everybody can get into this record our first album kind of introduced us as a group and this album's going to define us as a group it's going to definitely define where we stand with our sound and it's it's different from anybody's uh who's out there i mean we did some different things with this album we did a track with teddy riley we did a track with shakespeare you know and the stuff that we did with max martin is stuff that he uh him and christian and all the guys at uh sharon they wrote specifically for us the group left perlman jumping ship for both transcon and RCA, which resulted in a very ugly legal battle that ended in a settlement between the two parties. As a result, most of No Strings Attached was recorded without a record deal, allowing NSYNC to make its own calls on producers and songwriters. J.C. Chazé said, We hired the people we wanted to hire. This is our record. The record company didn't send anyone to us. It was a sticky situation. A lot of people we approached didn't want to work with us. We didn't have a contract saying that any of these songs would make it on the album when we did get a new deal. So the people who worked with us were straight up about the music, and that was amazing. According to Justin Timberlake, I think we really made history. You know, the only other group I can think of that jumped to another record company was Boston, and they did it like a long time ago. But that's the music business. I love music, and I hate the business. I don't want this whole thing to seem dark, but we learned how people can take advantage of you. The group and the album did eventually find a home with Jive Records, also home to the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears. And according to J.C. Chazé, they were ready to boldly go where no boy pop has gone before. What makes us special is that we sing love songs, but we throw people off guard because we're in your face. So many boy bands just sing about meeting the coolest girl, but to me, that's not the way to go, man. Tell a real story. Don't just be a dude in a club picking up chicks. No Strings Attached went on to sell 1.1 million copies on its first day of release and 2.4 million copies in its first week. It features their best-known song, Bye Bye Bye, and their only number one song to hit the Billboard Hot 100, which is It's Gonna Be Me. It, hit, it, uh, it held the record for best week sales for 15 years until Adele's 25 uh, surpassed them, but still holds the second best week sales in U.S. history. It is currently, uh, it is currently certified to Diamond, which is uh, 11 times platinum. Can, can I say before we get started? Okay, go ahead. Can you just read a little bit of that Justin quote again? <laughs> just, a, just a little, just the beginning of it, just for a second. Can you read it okay. again? I think we really made history. You know, the only other group I could think of that jumped to another record company was Boston. No, one more, line, one more. And they did it like a long time ago. They did it like a long time ago. Can we stop for a moment and think about Justin Timberlake today and how he somehow built street cred and somehow has this massive career and then think about 
they like did it a long time ago with his i mean look at this where's the hair look at this this hair the ramen the ramen noodle oh, hair this, 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 yeah ramen noodle hair <laughs> I'm sorry. What I, I oh, no, so how everybody. old was he when he made that quote? That's I think what I was, was going to Nineteen years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I'm not blaming him because we all you know go through phases. It's just funny to hear that quote yeah. and yeah. think of Justin Timberlake today, and then hear that quote and think of him as like it was like Boston, and they like did it a long time ago. So the, the only <laughs> band to ever leave a record. <laughs> Or to ever Which, change change a record label, oh. and you can and you, you can almost tell that it was it was some engineer or someone who mentioned this to him, and yeah. he was mm -hmm. like, oh, "Okay," like they like tried to market right. this as like a talking point, and it's yeah, like whereas the more than a feeling, guys, like that's that's whereas that's I your, feel like I feel like if you talk to Justin Timberlake today and brought up music, he'd launch into some history. <laughs> oh, what's funny in the uh, Rolling Stone article that, that those quotes are from, the, the author of the article is like, there have been plenty of bands that, that have changed labels, but who cares? <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> um, so guys, did, did we have fun listening to this? Did, did it just, uh, I, I had fun. I, I was surprised at uh, how much I remembered, to be totally honest. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if anyone wants to. I guess not. I guess, I guess not. Jeez. Okay. Here, okay, like, I... I'm not asking him to, like, like kind of latch into it, but I'm just, I'm I'm just, kind of, I'm just, I'm just riffing. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting experience, I'll say that. And as I said in my little, like, preview video thing, um, I was anticipate. you know, I, 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 I didn't anticipate, but I said, you know, that perhaps this would broaden some of my horizons, and it definitely has broadened my horizon. And so I'm, I'm willing to say that I'm glad I had the experience of having listened to an entire, an entire in sync recording. Well, good, good. Well, then let's let's just let's 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 dive deep then, uh, Matt. Since you selected our album, I want to ask you, what is your relationship with No Strings Attached, and why did you choose it for this episode of Music Mayhem? Did we lose him? They're like frozen. Oh, are they? Yeah, I think we lost them. Up, oh, yep. Oh, they That's gone. why he didn't say anything. I was wondering why I was like awkwardly <laughs> silent. I was, I was like, wow, are they like, like, are they, are they like being silent because they're trying to like put me on the spot to make me say stuff? Like, are yeah, they? I was like really committing to this bit. <laughs> yeah. Like I was just gonna let Matt talk, but um, I was on board. I was like on the verge of being on board with InSync until the thing you read. <laughs> really. Yes. Really? Is it because of the, the quotes or? It's, it's not, not just in Timberlake's quotes, but what was, what was, what was after that whole Boston bit? What was, and the, the like, what was, what was, what we read a couple things after that. Oh, what JC said, he said, what makes us special is that we sing love songs when we that, throw people off guard. That, and then the whole thing about like how they like, you know, they, they, you know, they cared about the music and we selected the music and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it just reminded me where my, what, anyway, I was on board until those quotes and then it, because here's my thing about InSync and I'll say this when I get to my bit about this, is that I would, you know, do what you do, right? Like this is the career you wanna have, go for it. But the problem that I have with them is that they were so damn serious about what they were doing. I and don't know and about it, that. it just if it, it always it feels like they thought that they were like really doing something like 
like groundbreaking and historical. And it's and they, so they just felt like they were like, and again, they're they're nineteen year old kids. I get it, but it Jerry Fatone was like twenty seven. <laughs> that's true. But like, but so then like that whole thing about it, it just because it, it was like okay, I was like kind of important, but then it was like oh yeah, no no no, like JC is like actually serious about all of this, and that. And that's just the thing where I was just like, just acknowledge the fact that you guys are like experimenting in music as a product. Can you just please just own I, that? I, back I mean, I don't know, but I, I think they Matt and message us by the way or something, right? No, okay, never mind. Well, I, I sent the leak again. Oh, okay, and I'm going to get into it, but I, I think they were just sort of just kind of super hyper about the fact that they kind of had all this newfound freedom. Because working in a Lou Pearlman, it's like they, they didn't have any kind of control whatsoever. Like they didn't have yeah. they, they were they were just being they were there's, puppets. Like that's what that's that's the whole puppet thing come from, comes from. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a documentary that my one of my parishioners was telling me about when I was telling him that we were doing this episode. He's one of our most faithful faithful listeners, and he said that him and his wife, he's like, I don't care about this kind of music. He said, but I did watch this documentary. It was about the it was about the uh, Backstreet Boys, mm -hmm. and how like they were straight up abused. Yeah. You know, because they were, you know, forced to like hours and hours of dancing and hours and hours of like everything they did was just like, you know, like and yeah, their whole life was an asshole. Like he was, he was a bad. Roman's a creeper, and isn't I mean, you know, I made that comment in the video you edited out, but wasn't he like accused of pedophilia? Yeah, the lead singer of LFO said on Howard Stern right. that he that he was like trying to seduce him and stuff, and that he had heard from other people that he was kind of coming onto them or whatever, but no one else is like kind of corroborated. It just kind of came from him. But okay. but he was also like a crime. He he died in prison. <laughs> like yeah. he's, he died yeah. of like a stroke, right? Yeah, I, he, uh, died, he he did all these like Ponzi schemes and stuff. Yeah, just a um bad bad guy. I just texted Matt to see what's uh see what's up. Is there like a monkey's paw in his house that's preventing him from like being on our show now? Said no internet. All of a sudden, <laughs> oh there's there's Matt. Hey, this doesn't turn though, does it? Yeah, there it, it is. There it did. It's fine. Okay. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, so, Matt, now that, now that you're, you guys are back, um, why don't you tell us your, your history with the album or your relationship with the album and why you chose it for Music Mayhem this year? Yes, Matt, why did you choose this album for Music Mayhem this year? No. No, you don't want to. You don't want to tell us. <laughs> no, I'm actually. I'm actually not going to tell you the full. The full thing right now because I don't want to begin that conversation yet. I'd rather end with that conversation. Um, oh, okay. It, it just. It just is going to turn the way I'm talking about it, and I'd rather. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, so what I what I will say is I, I I'll say it this way though. I loved their music in high school. I think it's great. I know um, I have a really good idea. A lot of stuff Father Chuck's getting ready to say, but I, I will put it this way. Um, in the world, there is the Mona Lisa, the Sistine Chapel. There's real art, but sometimes you just need a coloring book. And I would say NSYNC's a coloring book. So I'm not going to argue that they're the, the, the height of art or anything in that manner but sometimes you just need the coloring book matt you and i could probably agree it's it's probably the best coloring book that there is oh yes now this is one of those fancy dancy new adult coloring books that's all about <laughs> causing you to feel better and to calm down and to recenter yes it's a great coloring book but it, it's, it's a coloring book none, nonetheless 
All right, then. That's, well, that's where I will start. And then I'll talk more as we talk in the episode. I'll get more into why the album meant so much to me. But we'll Okay. Well, then let's, let's just go ahead and jump into our initial reactions, our initial thoughts. And uh, I want to I wanna start with Amy since she's uh, – this is her first time on Music Mayhem. And we want to – let's start with you. Thanks. I have an interesting relationship with this album. <laughs> um, I have an older sister. Our bedrooms were side by side. And uh, reflecting, I realize now we were a quintessential 90s music split. Like this one wall divided. In my room, I had Cole Chamber, who I don't really think are great musicians, um, posters and Limp Biscuit. Um, I'm just being honest. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I think I, I think we all were uh, Limp Biscuit fans. Matthews posters. I had an autographed Dave Matthews picture. Um, and in my sister's, it was just all in sync. So when being told this was the album we were doing, I was like, oh, I've never listened to that album all the way through. <laughs> Turns out I've listened to that album all the way through many times because it was released at the time that my sister got her driver's license and I rode with her to school every day. So that album was in the CD player for the better part and, of the year. And I will say as an outsider looking in, it wasn't your sister was a boy band fan. It was your sister was only in sync. Yeah, like, she was an in sync fan. That's anything it. that was not in sync was subpar was and not worth talking about. Uh, well, since New Kids on the Block went out, then it was all yeah. it was in sync all the time. Is all it was. And she really went above and beyond, and we're not going to go into specifics. But <laughs> she was in sync crazy. Oh, so we're going to go. Certainly affected my relationship with them because we were so different in so many ways that it was like what she liked i didn't like and kind of the so anyway anyway so my initial reaction then and now my gut reaction my just kind of like uh is that i look forward to it being over i don't like it <laughs> preach um, that said and on the you know the coloring book kind of tip i would give it even more respect than the coloring book i would even go further to say that at the time that it was produced it was at the leading edge of its genre and what it was and even more so i think that it set a bit of a platform for so much that came after it musically but it's an interesting type of of a famous group famous musicians because Okay, so when comparing these love songs to the love songs of like Billy Joel and Paul Simon, there's something very different there. Like, do you know anyone that hates Billy Joel? No, nobody hates Billy Joel. You know what I mean? But people <laughs> hate NSYNC, you know? JP might hate Billy Joel. <laughs> and I was trying to think of like other musicians that have been like this. I'm going on a bit of a tangent. And what came to mind was Justin Bieber. Like, it's a oh. similar kind of like people freaking are obsessed. Or, or they hate them. So what is that? I don't know. Um, so I stand, I don't, I don't hate anyone. I'm a more enlightened being from high school. <laughs> it does like bring me back to that kind of like, uh, just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, in high school, Punk it would be like, little girl that's it would be like if Chuck dumb. and I had to live together and listen to this music right now. <laughs> so. It's rough for me. As a dancer, it has beat mm -hmm. as as artists they they are showmen for sure i can see how this came to be very easily that's all i'm gonna say for 
Well, it's it's <laughs> even as somebody who's a big uh, fan, it's music by numbers. Let's be honest. Music like, by numbers. Yeah. Right, yeah. There's, there's a, there's it's a music by numbers. But go ahead. We know who we're getting to. And we know what's coming. <laughs> well, so. th no, that's that that's an interesting take, uh, Chuck. What are what were your, what is your initial uh, thoughts on instincts no strings attached? Well, if if our if our listeners slash viewers have have been watching the videos that JP has put on has put out to show show my journey with this album all week, well, know that my initial thought was that I had to fight the urge to turn it off, yeah. and and it's partly yes. due. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amy gets it right. Um, by the way, I, Amy, I almost, I, uh, when you're talking about um, some of your music, I, I, one of the, one of the records that I really considered choosing for my album for, for this was um, Crash by Dave Matthews. Cool. It, it's worthy, you know? Yeah. But um, um, <laughs> I, uh, but anyway, so I, I, uh, I, I, so I had to fight that urge. Cause like, as I mentioned in the, in one of the videos that, you know, whenever, whenever they came on TV, like I, I changed the channel, like that's just how it was for me. And so this, this gave me an opportunity to kind of sort of explore why that was like, what was, what caused me to have such a visual, visceral reaction? And I think like, and like Amy, you were saying too, like it's, you know, they're, they're, they're a group that's sort of like Justin Bieber, like it, they, they elicit very strong reactions from people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so after, after, you know, after a couple of days, like the edges got sanded off a little bit for me. And I actually, I didn't, I'm not going to say that I enjoyed it, but I did find, I did find some enjoyment in it. Um, I do think there is one song on it that is legitimately good and we'll get to that. Um, but what, but, but what I, what I, my, my, my overall takeaway from it from this week is that this may be one of the most capitalist things I've ever listened to. Um, and it is fully the idea of music as a product. Um, it's just and so much BS, so much BS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, cause I think that, I think that like, especially the two big singles, um, you know, I know that like the, like, and a lot of the record, they, they, you know, as JP mentioned, they cut their ties with their previous groups. They were kind of doing their own thing. They were sort of free agents. They, you know, they were, they, they had no strings attached. Um, they, they worked with Sharon studios in Sweden which is a hit factory in the nineties um, and eighties uh, and nineties. Uh, one of the producers, I can't remember who it was, but he was responsible for Ace of Bass um, and also wrote um, um, Hit Me Baby One More Time, um, which is, there's, by the, which by the way, is a very bizarre story. If you ever read the background of that song, um, he was trying to create American slang <laughs> by like when he's like, Hit Me was supposed to be like, call me. It's a very weird thing. He's a Swede who just sort of tried to invent American slang. But, um, <laughs> Um, so, but I think, and if I'm not mistaken, he was responsible for Bye Bye Bye. And initially they wanted to produce this song for the boy band five, but NSYNC came along and said that, uh, that it fit more with like the attitude and vibe they were trying to go for. So the idea for me is that a lot of this stuff came out of like this sort of marketplace. They were like, mm -hmm. here's the thing that we want. We're going to approach this group that has made it and we're effectively going to purchase it and perform it and, 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 and pass it off as our own. And that's the thing where I can't fully get on board with this musically. Um, but that being said, it, it, I, it's hard for me to say that it's terrible because it's, as you said, Matt, it's, it's music by numbers. I mean, it is, it is sort of mathematically programmed to be listenable and enjoyable and good. I mean, I've had the pre-chorus to it's going to be me stuck in my head all week. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. It's going to be May. Um, stuck in my head all week. JP corrects me on that. That's why. Um, 
but um, so it's so like I said, it, it was it was it, I had to sort of confront my sort of overly posturing, intentionally countercultural, uh, you know, wannabe punk, edgy kid, teenage person, um, and just sort of be like, shut up and listen to this, um, and just you know, sort of investigate why you don't like it. Um, and so what I came across is again, I. I'm not, I guess I'm not going to say it was an entirely enjoyable experience, but I did find some enjoyment in it. There's some fun in the music, um, but I but I still don't. It, it has not convinced me that they are great in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, and I mean I get what you're saying about the uh, it's the most how do you put it the most capitalist <laughs> and it comes from a marketplace. I mean these groups are groups that were literally brought together by producers and record companies for the sole purpose of creating the exact style of music down to the note that they wanted because they knew it would sell on a mass market. So it is very much like a we are going to build a money making machine from the ground up. And that's where all these boy bands came out of is them going around going, okay, who's got the right look, the right voice, the right blend. We need five guys. They need to look like this. They've got to wear this. They need to be different enough to where everybody has somebody in there that they can like. Um, and then they built it from the ground up and the music was just shopped around until one of the groups took a song and put it on their album. And that's, that's what this, era of music was and uh, and then some of this still goes on today i mean k-pop right now is is exactly this i mean if you look at the stories of like j-pop and k-pop groups they're this taken to some crazy extreme i mean the 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 culture surrounding it is is is, is pretty nuts amy's exact phrase was that was good can we talk about the next album now <laughs> <laughs> you know, that vibration of kind of like that, like hate energy or how people loathe, you know, this type of music is that um, it does, I think, push against when you talk about that, like the music that capitalism made, it pushes against the creativity that so many other musicians, not just the creativity, but like, but the rawness, you know, the messiness, the authenticity. And that's what I sort of like sensed with this. And I think, you know, other types of music that I just had no interest in it. I was interested in hearing people singing from their heart and soul, you know, and expressing their experiences and stuff like that. So that manufactured music that's like written by this person and performed by this person, and it tends to be kind of like animalistic and primitive and sort of like appeals to our, um, you know, our pleasures and indulgences and stuff like that. But it, it's, it's like shallow, you know? And so that for me is what just left me very like disinterested and didn't compel me to like, why, what, what, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. As I was, I was listening to this on the, I, I ran to grab coffee and then come in to record this morning. And so I listened to it again as I was driving to the coffee place and back and, um, and I, and you're touching on kind of my, my 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 feelings on this, Amy. Is that I realize lyrically and all of that, it's just very generic. Like mm -hmm. it speaks to a very general like idea of love and heartache and breakup. But there's like you don't get the sense that any one of them are speaking about a particular person that is like hurt right. them. It's just sort of or an experience that they themselves have actually. Yeah, had. it's just sort of a general. It's like a general thing, which you know I get, especially. And I think that's why it's so appealing to like teenagers. 
is yeah. that they're going through those phases and they're looking for someone who can communicate that. And it's tougher for them to listen to someone like say, um, um, like, well, like Counting Crows, you know, there's a piece of Maria in every song I sing is what Adam Durrett says. Like, so there's like, the, you know, the, every song of his has like this heartache, but it's heartache rooted in like one particular person. Um, that that's a little harder to digest. Um, but when you're a kid, you know, your, your feelings are very new and they're very extreme. Mm -hmm. And so this sort of helps or sort of speaks into that. Um, and, and that's, and it's such a fascinating thing to watch is the way that people gravitated to this. I mean, one of the things I read about was that, um, was that people, and this, this sounds like something that was part of your sister's deal, Amy, is that mm -hmm. like, some girls I, I read were buying multiple copies of the CD when it came out because they were trying to beat Backstreet Boys' sales <laughs> because this was sort of like their, this was like, it's like Bloods vs. Crips and this was their gang is in sync. And like, you know, and it, we see this too, right? We see people doing that with like the DC Marvel movies. We see like all of that trying to like push this, this stuff. And it's very, it, to me, it's a very weird approach. It's fandom. it's fandom, baby. It is fandom, but like, but in a weird but like in a, but it takes uh, on this very interesting capitalistic bent. Yeah, and it plays to weaknesses within us. And so what you're saying about, you know, how it appeals to the teenager, like what jumps to my mind in the, you know, the mental health realm that we exist as it is, or as it was, you know, and where we are now, um, the responsibility of that, you know, like if you know that you're appealing to teenagers and you know that you're teaching them about love and romance, then you can't say things like in the lyric of the song, This I Promise You, which became like the anthem for everyone um, getting yep. married at the time or having a new baby at the time. Uh, and I promise you never, and I promise you never will you hurt anymore. So, you know, this is saying like, oh, like this whole song is just about, is, a, is an absolute fantasy. Again, then we go back to Billy Joel who wrote a love song called A Matter of Trust which is real and raw and puts it all out there and shows like how difficult love and romance. So I'm going to take a step out and say that this is irresponsible. If you know that your audience is teenagers to give them to sort of like paint their first picture of love and romance with this absolute fantasy of like, mm -hmm. Oh, one day you're going to meet this person. And then there will be just no hard times for you anymore. Like everything, you know, the happily ever after. So that just annoys me. It annoys me. <laughs> Which, which it, it's funny too, because it's funny you mentioned this song, and I know we'll talk about the songs a little bit, but it's funny you mm -hmm. mentioned that song because when I was listening to it this afternoon, I was reminded of the phrase prom songs for Jesus, which is sometimes used for a lot of praise and worship music. And, you know, that, and that same kind of thing, like, because there, there's a, there's a praise and worship song that I know that's popular in a few churches that says something basically like, you know, God is never going to let you down. And there's this attitude of like, you know, like, I'll, which, Theologically, we can talk about that, but there is, but there is this, but the sentiment behind it is almost like, as long as you're in this relationship with mm. God, you're never going to feel let down. Right. And that's a very different thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and again, it, and I think it speaks to that same kind of fairly simple emotion. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it, when you're a kid, you want that hope. You want to believe that, oh, if this person is with me, all my problems are going to be solved. Mm -hmm. But like you said, what, what's the responsibility there and what it does to us psychologically? Mm -hmm. Um Unrealistic. It's interesting conversation. Yeah, it's a very interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Uh, so if I can get into my initial thoughts about. Oh, sorry, it. sorry, JP. We just <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if I if I 
was getting annoyed. I would have, I would have stopped you guys, but I actually, I, I like the conversation you were having. Yeah, I uh, love it. <laughs> I love the conversation That's because I'm trying to. Because I'm, 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 I'm gonna go cry in a corner. Go ahead. Jim. I'm listening to how, how Amy and Chuck are talking about it, and I'm and I'm listening to it, and I'm also starting to imagine myself as a teenager when I was listening to this album and getting really into it, I'm liking it. There's probably a lot to be said. <laughs> I don't know whether it actually did affect me or not. I I, I don't I don't really know. But uh, just to kind of get in my thoughts, um, you know, when I when I started listening to this album. Um, recently for the, for the episode. It, it felt like putting on like old clothes that you used to wear like when you were a teenager that, you know, obviously do not fit anymore. Um, but there, but you put them on because it's like, it was, it was like the, the fashion, the style. And uh, you, it's like, you kind of like, it felt like I was putting those on again, just to kind of relive what, what it, what it felt to feel that way, uh, to, how, how it felt that way back then, how it made me feel. And it's like it, it doesn't. It didn't really. Um, like at first, it just feel, it just felt kind of like awkward. Like, you know, when when bye 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 kicks in, and you know, um, I don't know. There was there was a kind of reaction I had where I was like, I've I've kind of done this before. I don't know if I really want to go back and do it again. And if I if I look at it again, I'm just not gonna, even going to enjoy it. But like the kind of more I let it sink in, I kind of it sort of did bring you back to those days where I really enjoyed it. And I found myself really enjoying it. and actually kind of like repeating the sort of the same, um, uh, habit, I don't want to say habit, but like the way I listened to the album was sort of the same way I listened to it when I was a teenager, which is like, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's pretty good here. No, I'm not really enjoying this anymore. I'm just gonna just let's play the background for the last few songs. <laughs> and, um, so and and like I I still kind of enjoy it, but it's mostly out of sort of like a nostalgia, you know. And I'm trying to look at it with sort of my 35 year old brain that is very critical of media now and wants to take a closer look. Because when I was a teenager, you know, the way you guys, the way Chuck and Amy are talking about music, and even even uh, Matt, I was never like very like musically inclined, you know. I was very laser focused. On, on on cinema when I was a kid, and that affected like everything else outside of cinema. The way I I interact with everything else outside of cinema, including music, and like the way I enjoyed music was like, could I hear this in a movie? You know, is this playing in a soundtrack that is my life that that is a movie? So like, I didn't really have deep thoughts about music back then. It was just whatever I thought was was awesome, and um, you know, I very much. Into Limp Biscuit and Corn, and uh, <laughs> um, gosh, what else? Like a lot of pop punk and things like that. Blink One Eighty Two, um, not because not because of any kind of any kind of like standards, but oh, Audio Slave, nice. I I, <laughs> I actually love that album, um, but because I just thought it was awesome. It made it made me feel cool. It made me feel like I was active in my own story um and it was kind of funny because there there is there was like a sort of dramatic change like i i'm 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 loving corn and limbisca like i said and i'm voting for them on trl just to, to to knock the boy bands off off that off that top five list and but then there was a sort of dramatic change when matt's cousin amy's sister taught us the bye 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 dance for a talent show and it it, it just went i went from like hating it 
to respecting it, I mm -hmm. guess, because I had to learn this dance. You know, I was a very out of shape teenager who was not athletic in, in any in any way. And suddenly had to learn a dance. And I was like, wow, these guys are actually really talented and really cool. And mm -hmm. I think I kind of respect them. And it sort of opened my mind up from just being like, no, the only good music is rock music to like, oh, pop music can be fun. You can have fun listening to this. And so, you know, I, I was telling Chuck earlier that Christmas, I got like a Britney Spears album. I got like Madonna album. I got uh, No Strings Attached, of course. Uh, and uh, so it was kind of an interesting kind of transformation. I'm listening to it now, though. My thoughts now. It's, I, I think what kind of strikes me is that even if this is manufactured, even if this is by the numbers, like I, I still hear a group of artists trying to make art. Whether they succeed, whether their, their attitude is in the right place, you know, you hear me say those quotes. It's, it's a little, you know, a little MTV, a little, little, little egotistical. Um, but I see, I, I just see them thinking like, we're on our own this time. We're not like those other boy bands who, who are like puppets. The whole puppet imagery is like all over the album, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're doing our own thing. We can do it on our own. Um, but it's, it's not like, you know, when, <laughs> when like Todd McFarlane, and uh, all those other artists left Marvel and started Im and started Image. It's more like so they they left Marvel and tried to do Marvel. If, if that makes sense to my mm -hmm. to, to everybody here, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so I, I, I can kind of respect that. And I and to this day I I do like the music, but not like in the same way I I liked you know last week's Beastie Boys. You know, it didn't, the, the effect that the lyrics didn't touch me, they didn't inspire me, mm. uh, but I, I, I moved. I can't help but to move when I listen to these songs. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a party album. You know, it's something you listen to with your friends, it's something you listen to at the club, it's something uh, you, you go to a tour and you watch the show. It's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of like, like, like Kiss or something from the 70s, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, who were so theatrical. Um, and also put and also put together by a record company. Yeah, yeah. Kiss is definitely kind of not not a great band, <laughs> but uh, they're very theatrical. And so is In Sync. If you watch any of their tour footage, it's mm -hmm. very theatrical. Um, so I guess I mean, does any of that kind of make sense? Um, uh, I don't know. That those are my. Yeah, initials. I think that you know, for those of us that generally identify with like the rock side of music, like one of the um, uh, sort of like agreed upon, accepted, I don't know where, not policies, but values. Values in rock is to not sell out. With that said, though, it's kind of like a snooty thing. It's like our thing. It's a personal preference. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of opportunity and good that's happening in the world through the process of selling out. So I think that, you know, if you can get over that, then you can appreciate it because as you said like it's great dance music the members of NSYNC put it all out there you know like 100% they went for it every time like I don't think that they were like you know these lazy slackers that were having the other people you know do all the work for them and then they just you know made their appearances and signed autographs by any means you know I think that they went for it 100% and you know so I so it takes kind of like a you know, a breath and a moment of acceptance to say, like, it's okay that other people wrote their songs for them. You know, it's okay that other people produce. Why is that not okay? It's a big deal to put together an album. Like, I'm not mad that one person didn't 
individually create a Pixar movie or a Marvel movie. Did you see the credits exactly. in Marvel? We were like, oh my gosh, it just <laughs> went on and on and on and on. So a bunch of people came together to make this album. Um, it is not my personal preference as far as, you know, what I really appreciate and like to sink my teeth into when it comes to art and music, but there's nothing wrong with it. That's what I want to be on the record of saying. There's nothing wrong with NSYNC in this particular album. That's a big responsible Amy in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, why don't you give us uh, some of your thoughts of Matt? Why don't you kind of go into the weeds? If you want going into the weeds. Well, I did think that it was um, I'm listening to Amy and Father Chuck here get into it. And it really was part of my thoughts listening to it this time around was as far as depth goes, this music is not it. You don't go look into this to, to dive into the lyrics and really get deep. Um, and I definitely realized as a high school person listening to this music meant so much and it was so much fun and I loved the songs as a married man with children listening to this music, I'm like, wow, it sounds like high school. Like Mm -hmm. it, it's definitely, so everything you guys were saying about how like, this is not a mature view on life and love. This is a very generalized surface level. I think I like you. Isn't that cool? Kind of thing. Um, It's 100% what it is, but it also, like everybody said, is 100% what it was created to be because it's target audience were the kids who did not understand what life was actually going to be like. They just wanted the the fairy tale dreams of what it was going to be like. And that's what these boy bands 100% were created to play off of is this fairy tale idea of you know the um perfect the perfect guy the perfect guy for the perfect girl. This this recording on my phone thing we will never do again. I'm, <laughs> It's very hard not to read text messages over JP's face because I can't <laughs> stop them from popping up. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it was it's all created to be a fantasy and it was designed to and marketed to to be the fantasy version of a high school romance. And that's what all this pop music was like born out of. Is, Except for the digital get down song. That, right? that song is not a high school romance. That song, song. <laughs> has never and will never make sense to me. That's well, coming from somebody. Oh no, I mean, it makes sense, <laughs> but it doesn't make sense. Where did that come from? On it comes from Sharon Studios in, in Sweden. Yeah, oh, no, okay. I'm. But but my point is like, how did they think that fit into the image of what NSYNC was? It doesn't make sense in the album. It doesn't make sense in the whole image they put together. It doesn't make sense in what they were selling at the time. Like Are we going to talk more about the song later or is this happening now? It's, sorry, you brought it. <laughs> I, I have it as one of my selected songs. So. I was hoping to never talk about this song again, but you <laughs> brought it up. So, um, yeah, we're there. And I have to respond to my mother. So carry on. Really... Um, was stimulated in my mind when listening to this song is that this was at the time people don't use the, the term cyber sex anymore, right? Like now it's officially sexting. So this was like the yeah. cyber sex phase. And really when cyber sex first became possible because they really specifically say, I can see you and baby, you can see me. <laughs> and then, you know, elaborating on the things that they can do with that. So it was a moment in time there that they were celebrating this new technology. <laughs> Since we're getting into it, I guess. Uh, it was also at a time where I remember in high school, that was sort of a joke that 
you would talk about like people who did that, they only did that because they couldn't have kind of a, a, an actual person to person relationship. And which if the, if the song, I think like, I, I texted JP earlier in the week and I said that that's a song that to me sounds like a lonely Island parody of InSync's music. <laughs> and like if, if the lonely Island had made it, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Um, but what is kind of interesting about the song too, is that it, it, it pretty much outright says that like the protagonist of the song would prefer the digital get down to the person to person interaction. And I that's kind that. of an interesting thing. Um, mm -hmm. It is also one of the earliest uses of that like auto tune sound. Yeah, using a vocoder, right? Is that the no? That's auto tune, but that's the auto tune when they because auto tune was developed in order to put a voice in tune. But this was like early on when they started playing with that with that technology to make it sound like an instrument. Um, probably the most famous early example of this would, of course, be um, Cher's um, "I Believe" song. Yeah. Uh, in, in the in the article that I was just sharing, uh, the author does point out that when they were recording that song, Justin kept singing that song using that effect they were using. Like he was doing it with his own he voice. Was doing, he was doing the share song with the actor oh. there between takes. Yeah, because like I think I think I think I believe really was like the the pioneering song for that sound effect. I think so. Yeah. Did we lose Matt? Did he just like straight up give he just up? Stepped on... out to talk to his mother. Oh, talk to okay. his mom. He's so uncomfortable by the digital get down song that he just. Well, we're talking about the song again. Digital, digital get. It's okay. Yeah. I can handle this one. <laughs> um, but I will say it, and and considering that I am a that I am a that I am a I'm a teacher, and knowing that this was a song marketed to teenagers, it made me very uncomfortable to listen to it, mm -hmm. because like knowing the kind of abusive things that go on with this sort of activity, you know, like the the way that like guys will coerce girls to send them nude yes. images and then then distribute them to their buddies yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That's like a thing that happens, you know, I don't know how much, I don't know that, that I'm not saying that that happens in my school, but I know that that's something that happens in teen culture at large nowadays. And so I, that's, that gets back to like what Amy was saying, like, is this a very responsible thing to right. put on a record aimed at teenagers? Right, yeah, that's what I was trying to listen to that song from a teenager's point of view. And I feel like the healthiest angle you could take on it was for the teenager to think like, okay, well, the instinct guys are adults, you know, and it makes sense that they have adult relationships. And since they travel on tour, sometimes their partners are in other places. And so this is what they do. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the way of looking at it. Yeah. Best way to frame it. Yeah. Which I can see that. Great. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's kind of funny is uh, I actually, I went on, I went on Twitter and sometimes what I like to do is I like to kind of go on Twitter and search like song titles and stuff and see what people are talking about. And I, I searched for digital get down on Twitter, and the most the, the most common uh, like conversations I, I saw were like people like I had no idea what this meant when I was a kid. Oh, interesting. Like, I, but like, but listening to it now, it's like wow! I can't believe I was listening to this when I was a kid. Was internet really that? Didn't know. I don't know. I mean, we are talking. We are talking like the early days of cable modems. I mean, this is this was two thousand. So. Yeah. I guess it was still new enough to where some people might not know what it was. <laughs> I was yeah. just sort of the intention behind it. it was like, well, it's it's year two thousand, and everyone's talking about the future, so we got to drop in on like one thing about the internet or something in here, right? Like, yeah, that was what you <laughs> needed to drop in. <laughs> right. And we all tried to talk about hey. it. It's the new millennium, and everybody's focus is on Jerusalem. 
So is that agreed to be the worst song on the album? No. 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 Um, no. <laughs> Father, Father Chuck just brought up the worst song on the album, in my opinion. Well, do, do we want to get into the hits here? I mean, you might as well get the other worst one out of the way. It's a two-second conversation, so let's be done with it, since you already brought up one of them. What's the other one? And, and his Jerusalem comment is for oh. Space Cowboys. Space Cowboys. Yeah, I, y- I, 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 I whatever, man. You know, I, I, that's pretty awful. I mean, the other one at least has a interesting beat to it. Hey, I can get behind the message of Space Cowboy, okay? What? I can get behind the message of Space Cowboy, though. The message that it was a marketing campaign for. No, the message that we shouldn't be afraid of the future, man. Don't, don't listen to these. Listen to the conspiracy theories and prophecies about the end of the world. Like, embrace the new millennium. Or Space Cowboy wasn't Space Cowboy? Is that like what Tommy Lee Jones or somebody? Yeah, it was a that's a it's Tommy Lee Jones, Clint Eastwood, James Garner. Stupid space movie. (laughs) Was this was that song really made for that movie? Yeah, it was. It couldn't have been. Was it It absolutely in that movie? One hundred percent. It was even the um the the trailer. The song used for the trailer. Really, (laughs) I never saw the movie, so I have no idea. See, I, what, what I think of is um, there is a, there is a, a fairly infamous um, um, hippie Christian song from the 70s called um, Cosmic Cowboy, and it describes Jesus as a cosmic cowboy. For whatever reason, um, there was, a, there was a, a Christian group called um, Disco Saints who did a cover of that in like the late 90s. Kana as a kid loved it, and so I, I've listened to it, and it's very weird. And I've listened to the original, and it is also very weird. And so when I hear that, when I hear him talking about everybody's got their eyes on Jerusalem because the new millennium, like that's to me is like, that's apocalyptic, right? Like you're talking about the end of the world from a, and as a Christian, like that to me is a very like very evangelical Christian, it's a very particular kind of thing you're talking about here. And so it makes me like, you know, trust the, trust the space cowboy is like, is this, is this a song about Jesus? Is this like a, is this like, are you playing off this weird thing? And like, why? Well, well, and the thing is, is when I when I searched it, when I searched for the song, there were other links talking about Jesus as a space cowboy. So this is apparently in the zeitgeist somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it definitely. I think I think the actual song is basically like everybody's afraid of the new millennium. I think it's basically like everyone's afraid of the everyone's sort of afraid of the future. But let's not worry about the future. Let's just worry about you and me, baby. Like I think that's sort of the, the idea there. But um, well, it but, says it's it's like a separating song. So you can have your space cowboy. I ain't gonna Sorry. fence you in. Go on sure. right away in your Silverado. I'll see you around again because I know my place and it ain't with you. Sunset fades and I, love does too. It's a weird song. I it's hate, a weird song. I hate all these technical difficulties. See, this I'm is having. what happens when you try to dive deep with NSYNC songs. You start feeling <laughs> well. I was gonna say a little dirty i hate all these technical (laughs) difficulties we're having with this episode but i find it might be the most interesting part of this episode (laughs) so so i'm okay with the um like series interrupting me now stay tuned guys i get to pick the next album all right so let's (laughs) let's let's get into the hits uh let's talk about bye 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 chuck i want to know what you think i want to know what you think about bye 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 as a song as, as as a single um it's so it really is hard for me to talk about this because uh, like, I, like I'm not sure how to talk about it okay. because it's not their song. <laughs> well, it could have been anyone's song. Uh, but, 
but, but as, yes, oh, but okay. All right, all right, all right. This is a good time because I want to bring this up because I don't I don't know when else I'm gonna have time to bring this up because it, and 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 Amy mentioned it earlier and I want to I want to expand on it, Chuck. And maybe it's because of the industry that I worked at that I'm obsessed with is collaborative. And, and when I when you, when you describe this the songwriting process, it doesn't sound that different from like the screenwriting process, which it's, is you have which is you have a screenwriter who 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 is devoted to just like writing stories. That's what they like to do. They like to write stories. They don't all mm -hmm. want to direct. They don't all want to edit. They just want to mm -hmm. write stories. And then they shop them around to studios and then maybe an agent will pick it up and he'll find a, a director or a studio will pick it up and they'll put it in the vault or something and, and just look for it. whatever. They go through like a billion different, different kinds of processes to find these stories to match with directors. And it's not always like an organic thing. It's not always like Tarantino. It's not yeah. always like Spielberg. Spielberg hasn't and, written any of his stuff. So, and, and, and it just doesn't sound, yeah, and I'm, it, I'm, I'm and trying to all, find the, the inherent flaw. And, and, it all, and it all comes down to though, you, you have the screenwriter, you have the composer, you have the director, you have the producer, you have the studio, the lighting people. And it's it all comes down to, it all comes down to picking the right actor or the whole thing fails. Right, no, no, so no. So no, no. sync is your five actors who bring all these oh. other people's writing, music, producing. They're the talent that if you put it with somebody else, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of history to show that the exact same pop song handed to a different group is a failure handed to another group is a is a number one hit like no. there's a there's a lot to show that it doesn't yeah. just work with anybody okay but there's a here's the thing is for me is there's a fundamental difference here so counterpoint paul mccartney wrote um paul mccartney wrote let it be with the intention of it to be performed by aretha franklin like he thought it was, he wanted it to be more of like, he wrote it as like a Motown kind of soul R&B type song. Um, Aretha passed on it, um, but then later changed her mind and she recorded it. I think her version of it is superior to the Beatles version of it. Um, it's a beautiful song. But so Paul wrote this song with like a very intentional like way of, 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 of you know, he wanted it for someone, right? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just had a little itch. Just a little. You're thing. like the evil guy twirling his stash yeah. while he's talking. Go ahead. Keep Not going. long enough. <laughs> I'm a 15 year old villain. <laughs> so, I. But to me, there's a very. It's a different thing to what Bye 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 is, and maybe I maybe I've read about the the development of the song incorrectly. But what I understand is that Sharon Studios with this particular song, it was a complete song. They just didn't have the five vocals of the five in sync guys singing it, but they all the instrumentation, everything in it had already yes. been done, and they did so. So it's a little bit different than like Paul McCartney taking a song that's on paper and saying, "Here, I want Aretha Franklin to get to to interpret this," and then later saying, "No, nah, I think the Beatles we can interpret it our way." Versus this is completed. I just need a certain group to sing the part because we need to satisfy the fact that five vocalists, because that's all the sync is, is they are five vocalists. They are, they don't play instruments. They don't, they don't play. They, dance. they, they are dancers. And they are, yes, yeah. they're professional dancers and singers. They're performers. Yeah. And right. you're not, and you're not saying anything different than what I already said is the song was completed, but you put it into the hands of the five performers. Like without them, it's just a song nobody ever would have heard. If you put another group in it, there's no guarantee it would have worked. Right. But what I'm getting at is that is that 
all of the music and everything was already done and it was done by studio musicians. Mm -hmm. So they could have put five in front of it and maybe it wouldn't have been as big of a hit because they didn't have the marketing machine behind it, but there's nothing intrinsically in, there's nothing necessarily intrinsically to that song that would have been that fundamentally different if there were different vocalists. So mm -hmm. you don't now, think- Because like, like, again, if, the, if, if NSYNC were all instrumentalists and they were playing different instruments and they heard this song and they said, hey, we want to adapt right. this, then it would be different because they play instruments differently. And but I do- sorry, vocals, But because of that, because they're just singing over top of a pre-recorded track, basically. Right. And- that's I'm what not, I'm getting at is the difference. Yeah, and I and I'm not disagreeing with you on any of this because that's why I say it's the music by numbers, it's the coloring mm -hmm. book. Um, but I do also find this conversation, JP, here's a thought to put it more in your your ballpark too. I find this a very curious conversation as we're having it in a world with Marvel Studios, <laughs> where it is a movie that is basically the completed script handed to a director down to the action sequences already being done. And it's like an actor gets brought in, but would the movie be the same if it was not Robert Downey Jr.? But anybody else could act and do what the script says because Marvel's got it so spelled out, you can basically bring anybody in and say, okay, do this. And he goes, okay. But if you brought somebody else <laughs> in, would it work? So, um, right. so, yeah. so to me, that's we now live in a world where the movies are very much mirroring the pop music model, where it mm. is completed, it's written, it's done, it's a collaborative effort that's brought together and then you put the right performer in front of the screen and that's all we care about when they announce who's playing the new character, that's when we get excited. Like we know the movie is gonna be great, but when they announce here's who's playing the Hulk, that's when things get interesting. When they say this is who's playing Doctor Strange, that's when we're like, it's perfect, that's what it should be. Um, it's about picking the right boy band to place in front of the camera. Right, camera, Here, but here's will. the thing is, we're talking as we're talking about bye bye bye, right? I think that there's like, and I'm not disagreeing with you on on the way the Marvel the Marvel approach to things is in terms of, and I and, and there's a whole other conversation to be had with that. And I and as I've thought more and more about Endgame, I have some issues about some of the way this stuff was constructed. But anyway, is but I think Bye 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 was a much more like they, from what I understand and what I've looked at in terms of the personnel of that track, InSync wasn't as involved in it directly. Whereas other tracks on the album, which were which were largely produced by Sharon Studios, they came in and then they gave like they had they, you know like Justin Timberlake contributed vocals and some uh, and some production work to particular tracks. Like they're per, they're they're like they're members of the of of InSync listed as active members of the personnel in like four or five songs on the album. But the rest of them, they're not actually personnel, meaning that they didn't have a hand in the production or anything, they simply performed it. And so for me, Bye Bye Bye, that's why I say it's hard for me to talk about it as an in-sync song because they simply performed it. They did not have a hand in its composition yeah, well, or whatever. And so, but that, with so aside from that whole conversation, um, I think as a song, it's a big song and it is, it is, it is a powerhouse of pop music, mm -hmm. uh, but, Again, like I, it's that, that, and like I got, we got this whole conversation just because I, I, I don't know how to talk about it in terms of <laughs> like, you know, to me it's a different conversation than saying like, like I'm trying to think of like early Beatles who were playing other people's music, um, um, 
Okay. But as a song, I, as the song, huge. It's a huge song. I think what you're trying to say is that like there isn't a whole lot of room to allow for uh, uh, to kind of let them do their own thing when all they really have are their vocals. I think that like based on the quote though that you said, it, it almost made it seem like like they were the creative minds at very least of Picking choosing the did. people to hire. Yeah, where it sounds like the fact of the matter was they were chosen more than they wanted to believe. They were selected, not the reverse. Like they didn't select the producer, the writers, the guitar players. Yeah, if there well, were well, any, well, I don't uh, know. They, they did. They <laughs> did select. Uh, yeah, they did select one of the producers. Uh, his name was Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah, Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. Good. When they when they were put together, they were chosen out of the groups, and like, here's who we're putting together to make the group. But mm -hmm. then they decided, wait we've got this massive thing going on now. You might've brought us together, but now we can use it. Right. So they went out and tried to have a little more creative control by choosing who they want to work for rather it, than who it was, chose them to work. It was right. Chris though, right? Who, who kind of put the band together. Like, kind I believe of. so. I believe he was kind of the starting was Chris. He, he sought out, he sought out Joey and, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, ironically, the whole I thing started with Chris and Joey, which were probably the last two that anybody <laughs> thought about. <laughs> Joey went into acting, didn't he? Uh, very, uh, very, yeah. Uh, with yeah, uh, my know. big fat Greek wedding, wasn't he? Uh -oh. Something like that. Yeah, like that. No, yeah. Chris, Chris found Joey and Justin, mm -hmm. and then they found another guy to do the bass. Or I don't know. I, it's well, Justin, I don't, I don't and JC were both on Mickey Mouse Club mm -hmm. together. Yeah, right. Yeah. Old um, friends. So Chris and Joey found them. And I don't know where Lance originally came from. They Lance replaced, they replaced some guy named Jason, who's the end, who's the end in, in sync. Yeah. And then it was Lanston or something they made up to still end his name with an N. But yeah. go ahead. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll just say this. Bye, bye, bye. I think, I think it, I think it, I think it's awesome. I think the dance is cool. And uh, it's what got me into NSYNC and, um, and the music it, video. This was their biggest hit from this album. Yes. I, no, I, I think I think that's actually uh, it's oh, going to be gonna me because that's the one that actually ended up yeah. on on the um, the meme. <laughs> there is the meme. But, I mean, uh, it, it lives but on. The, yeah. <laughs> but the music video to Bye 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 that had the car chase that mirrored Mission Impossible's car chase and like the. Viper that he's driving around in and running from junkyard dogs, and awesome dance. Yeah, the well, dance me, that everybody knew this thing. The makeup artist. Everybody knew thing. it. Well, let, let me just say what I think is interesting about Bye 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 is that it's it's essentially like a breakup song, and it's not like oh I'm sorry we're breaking up. It's like I'm leaving you, girl. Mm -hmm. And that's how you like open a boy band album, which I think is is interesting. I mean, I haven't listened to like it a bunch been of the boy ending albums, song. But. That's what I was thinking when I was listening to it, and it started playing over. I was like, oh, this must be the last song on the album. And, and you know what's interesting about that? Amy, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, one of the songs that I selected as one of my as something that stuck out to me uh, is the song that it ends on, uh, which is also a breakup song, hmm. uh, but it's a much more. I thought she uh, knew. Yeah, and it's and acapella. Yeah, um, so I, I think I think it's interesting, and also there's just some metatextual thing going on. It's it's about breaking up w with somebody that's probably been like not not the best person to be with, but it's also, mm -hmm. I mean, it's also saying bye 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 to to, to Lou. Who mm -hmm. tried to control their lives? You know, I I don't think people really 
but they kind of, didn't write it, so it can't be that. Yeah. It, I think they could still make it about that, though. Yeah, they still went out I mean, and looked for it. Have you ever it. Really felt your heart I, out to someone else's song and felt it in your soul? I think that you can own something that wasn't, like, sure. created by you, can't you? Yeah, you, it's, I mean, you're talking yeah, about something that happens all the time in every genre of art, and you're mm -hmm. making it sound like NSYNC's the first genre, thing to yeah, ever do it. But too. everybody... <laughs> Everybody takes something and makes it their own. At I've different never, at no point in this episode have I said that NSYNC is the only one to do this. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you're right. What's the other band that he said? <laughs> they like know, did it a long time ago, though. Not just in Boston. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, um, but yeah, it, it's just. Uh, Chuck, I, I love you, but you're doing what Amy was talking about at the beginning, and you're still pulling the whole like you're sold out, man, thing instead of realizing like, yeah, it's it's okay. There's a place in yeah, art for right for performing other people's art. That's right. It's now. like I don't like it. It's not my preference, but it is okay. It's like a it dancer. <laughs> it's like a dancer who takes somebody else's choreography and dances it. It's not their dance. No, I, I, I dancing it is the I, art. That is no, what. I, I think you guys are fundamentally understanding and misunderstanding what I'm trying to say. And that is, I don't have a problem with people performing other people's music. That's totally fine by me because it is interpret like the mm -hmm. idea of interpreting other people's music. Okay. Good, Happens good example. Good example is uh, Johnny Cash's cover of, of Trent Reznor's Hurt. All right. Uh, 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 far superior version of the song. He gives it an interpretation that even Trent Reznor was not anticipating. Um, it, is, it is a beautiful song. It is a powerful song when Johnny Cash does it. And it's very different than Nine Inch Nails' version. So like- Johnny I'm, Cash, just a little side note for someone to look up. Johnny Cash also covered uh, Soundgarden's Rusted Cage. Rusty Cage, very good. Yeah, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash made a career out of of, of singing yeah. other people's music. I mean, it, it's it's a thing. Like, I, I'm again, I'm I'm totally mm -hmm. on board with that idea. Um, um, what what for me is with specific, and I'm not saying this about in sync as a, I, I'm not writing them off as a group because of doing this because I think this whole album, most of this album involves them putting their twist on other people's music. What's where 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 my where where my issue is with the two big singles, Bye 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 and It's Gonna Be Me, is that they were already completed pieces of music that they just performed. And that's fine. Okay, that's cool. But I can't really like it's hard for me to say that, like, oh, this is what they were feeling and thinking when they wrote mm -hmm. this song because mm -hmm. they didn't write it. And I don't know that they really gave that much of an interpretation to it. I think that they that they they effectively purchased these two songs for them as a way to sell this record. Obviously it was very successful for them to do that. And I think that for, and, and, and in the business mindset of it was that they knew these two huge singles, they recognized that these were, that these were huge. They were going to be very successful. They were going to appeal to a lot of people and that this was the way to get their other music on the album into the ears of other people. Mm -hmm. I think, and, which is a classic business, uh, music business thing is sell stuff that, you know, um, really push the stuff that's going to sell so that they'll buy your album and listen to the stuff that you're really interested in, in doing. And I think the rest of, of the rest of, of, of the record is that this is where they are really interested. NSYNC is really much more interested um, and engaged artistically with the rest of the record than they are with these two singles. Nothing wrong with that. I just, I, I, I'm just saying like, what is I'm trying to talk about the two big singles like, and then and, and that's where I take the issue with the idea of them saying that Bye 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 is directed at Lou Pearlman. 
Like, sure, you can say that after the fact, but don't go around and act like you wrote the song to make that statement because it wasn't written with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Like, you can use it, sure, but that's not why they wrote the song. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that there is almost this feeling, I think that what a lot of us feel, again, coming back to that, like, uh, like, you just don't like these types of groups is that they take too much credit. They take a little yes. bit too much credit. Whereas, you know, someone like the Beatles or Johnny Cash or whatever, you know what I mean? When they perform other people's work, it's like all the credit to those people, you know, they, it's like out there in the open acknowledged and like with, it's a, it's more of like a co-creation and not that they don't acknowledge in the credits, all the people that conspired on this album, but it's like, they must just all be Leo's. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I, I can, I can get behind that that concern. As you know, I, I've brought up the kind of like the screenwriting process and stuff, and you know that that's a huge concern in that industry, which is that's writers. What's vibrating? Not. I don't know. Somebody's somebody's vibrating, and it's on my phone. It's my heart beating thing. like <laughs> pulse racing at this, gotcha. at this. Sorry, it was very loud on our end. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, uh, you know, I, I and then I was thinking about this last night. You know, there there are songwriters who were involved and stuff, and um, probably not getting the credit they deserve. Uh, and and I, I I can relate to that because you know that happens in the film industry so so often. There's so much arbitration out in, in the in the writing press process. I can I can imagine it's probably worse in the music industry. Um. So I don't know. I, I don't. I, that, that's all I really have to say. I mean, and I, and I get what you're saying, Chuck. I guess what are your it's, Essentially saying, pushing back against like what I'm saying is that there's there's no way for them to kind of own <laughs> yeah. these songs outside of uh, just singing the lyrics. Mm. Right. It's okay, so our next album. <laughs> so no, we have a couple more songs to tack off the list. Do we? Do we? <laughs> well, I, you know, oh. I mean, we could we could talk about it's going to be me, and I could just say like it's still stuck in my head. You just like, repeat what um what you just said about bye bye bye. It's you it's. See what's happening here? Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I got a text about it though. Yes, we just um, did talk about bye bye bye. Yeah, so. <laughs> just. Oh, what did you, what 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 what, uh, what was the exchange? What, what was the next one? What's that? No, no. I, what I was His saying wife is, is you, me. everyone is trying oh. to get everybody. Hold of that right I now. nobody ever wants to talk to me. And they today, all want to tell you that Robert Pattinson's playing that. I'm not even kidding you. That somebody any minute now, and I can't help it, but somebody's gonna be knocking on the door. So we're gonna have to like pause for a second then, because they're coming over to borrow dance shoes for their kid. Like this stuff doesn't happen at my house, <laughs> and I can't get a break today, and it's starting to make me a little angry. Um, but no, I think that the big singles, there's not much to talk about because they're great and I loved them and they're fun, but I think we just covered it. With yeah, they're good. Okay. All right. Well then, okay, then let's let's talk about songs that stuck out to us. Amy, what, what song stuck out to you other than the hits that, that you would want to talk about? I mean, if there are any, I don't know. I think we lost them again. Oh no. <laughs> what is this episode? <laughs> Many, many minutes later. The fact that Matt said that that guest is now taken care of, that to me, like my brain went to a very dark place. We don't talk about my other job on the air here. There's <laughs> um, Amy dancing. Hold on, I'll be right back. Amy's going to entertain with <laughs> I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> We could we could actually like we could like gifify that image and use it for things now. Do you need me to? Do you want me to do a couple takes? <laughs> <laughs> can you can you do the bye 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 dance? Do you know it? Did... Uh, no, that's funny. I think that you probably could do it better than me. I I won't lie. 
while I was listening to this album, I did try to remember some moves. Did they have like one hand behind the head when they did it? Why do I remember that? Mm, I, I think that might have been go like this in a rotation, right? Yeah. Then they, they do they do one of these things where it's like they pull something and they go like that. Oh yeah. There's yeah. something. No, I never learned it. Yeah. He, <laughs> you know what's so funny is that I like think about this and as as much as I like you know authenticity and artists like doing their own thing. I have to like step back and look at myself and like most of the work I do is like stepping into the role of somebody else's creative baby, you know? Yeah. I put on their costume. I stand in the spot that they tell me to. I saunter in the way that they want me to. And uh, so I get it, you know, I get uh -huh. it that as an artist, you know, if you, ha as a talent, as someone that has a certain amount of stage presence, right. Um, you know, you collaborate. <laughs> Guys, d d d you know, you know what I like about Space Cowboy? Nothing. Um, the, well, what are the, what are the, the parts? I don't know if it's JC or, or, or JT, but there's a part where like, yo, 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 Space Cowboy. Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Whispering into the. It's like, hey, lift, lift off millennium. You know what I mean? Mm -mm. That's like, you know, whenever, whenever people have done like, that kind of stuff in music, it always makes you uncomfortable. I don't know. Like, I just like, have that. That's like my favorite part of it. My favorite like, part of it makes me ill is the <laughs> in the middle of the song. <laughs> I love I love how I love how how they tried so much to try to pretend to be like tough. Oh, you're not tough. That, that that's a that's a that's a boy band tradition. There's the the one there's there's the tough guy, right? That there's the bad boy. JC has Who's the bad boy. I don't know who the bad boy is. I think it's supposed to be Joey. I don't think, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. definitely Joey because he had like the dreads or whatever. I, I and he's, I the oldest, he's like twenty seven. Yeah. The turtle neck, the tank of the group. Oh, I love the turtlenecks, and I promise you, I, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I used to own a turtle, one of those turtlenecks. So what I, what I do love of um, is JC. I was reading something about his solo career and he wrote a song where he like describes himself as like a little bit thug, I think, <laughs> or a little bit gangsta. And I just like, do these words mean anything? Yes, and if, you, and if you're listening right now and you didn't Street know, smart. and you didn't know that JC had a solo career, that's okay. Nobody else did either. <laughs> he tried, he tried to, he tried, he tried. It he had that one single that was on that drumline movie. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty, pretty cool. At least I thought it was when I was, which it amazes me how Justin Timberlake, like what? How do you align? How do you align the right producers and stuff in your life to go from this to what he is today? Well, no, I think it was the breakup of Britney Spears that did it because then he did "Cry Me a River" and everybody was like, "Justin Timberlake is a talented dude." I, 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 I gained a lot of respect for Justin Timberlake when um, he won. I think the video for uh, "Cry Me a River" won. It beat Johnny Cash's "Hurt." And when he went to receive the award, it was a Grammy, I think. He went to receive it. He said, I do not deserve this. Johnny Cash deserves this. Oh, yeah. I remember he did that, yeah. And he said, I grew up listening to his music. And, he, and the fact that he used his entire acceptance speech to turn the spotlight onto Johnny Cash, who I think had recently died um, or was very close to dying at the time, I thought, hmm. okay, that's awesome. He, this, is, this is an amazing thing to see somebody on his level being that humble. Mm -hmm. about it that's when my attitude uh, on him changed and then i saw him um i think on it was jimmy fallon and he's hilarious every time 
that. But I think it was the Video Music Awards where I think it might have been the Video Music Awards that year where he 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 was in a white suit playing a white piano and he played. I mean, he was like it was like watching Elton John play. It was like this guy had this in him all along. Like, why didn't they showcase that more in InSync? Like, if he was more than just a singer, like you should have like you should have made that you know front and center. But I feel like he was. And I'm just speculating. I have no idea if this is true or not. But I feel like he was trying to put his energy into the group. Like That's I feel right. like he's probably doing most of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And I, I feel like he's trying to do things for the betterment of the group and not just kind of focusing on himself. But then I, I also feel like in Celebrity, which is an, also an interesting album, he, the Celebrity album is basically a Justin Timberlake album. He probably oh, always really knew in some sense that this was a temporary phase and he would eventually go back into a solo career because really he came from a solo career even from childhood. I don't know anything that Justin Timberlake may have done before NSYNC per Mouse se, <laughs> aside from Mickey Mouse. But what, what did, I guess he went to school and was a teenager. Yeah. They, that's, why, that's why I really would have, from a music point of view, uh, Father Chuck really would have liked to hear a discussion about celebrity. Because I feel like that album, when it came out, nothing else quite sounded like it. It was almost weird. I think it has the biggest impact on what pop music sounds like now. Because the sounds and stuff they had going in that changed, I think, the way pop music went in general. And then Justin Timberlake himself launched from there. Well, and, and changed a whole lot of things. And what I've read, and from what little I've read about Celebrity in the process of reading about this album for this episode, is that it that's where they they had their hands in way more. It's way more doing. of a departure of what boy bands did than, than the No Strings Attached is. Yeah, and I think um, it's kind of funny that we're sort of talking about it. It's almost like the like Justin Timberlake and JC are sort of like the John Lennon and Paul McCartney. And, <laughs> like, I think JC wishes he could be compared to either. It's more like the John Lennon and Yoko Ono, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> or John Lennon and Ringo? Ringo, maybe? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, who, like, like, what I love about Ringo is Ringo's like the most persistent Beatle, like, in terms of his career, right? And, like, he's never hit, like, the, he's never hit the career level, like, artistic level that, like, say, Paul McCartney did or, or George Harrison did in their solo careers. Yep. But, but Ringo consistently makes just fun music. Like, the, I have, I have a, I have a, I have a little 45 single of the No No song. I love the No No song. I like his MS, I like his, his, his MS Paint artwork. <laughs> Ringo, I love Ringo. Um, that this this episode's gone off the rails. It totally has. Do you, do we want to talk about just the, the the tracks that we like? You guys want to just no? I think I, we talked enough. No, no, no. Wait, Matt, I you want to hear what Chuck liked? Yes, I Chuck. I want to hear what you like. The man wants to say something good about In Sync. Let him speak. I, Go for it, Chuck. I legitimately love, love, and I, I mean, I mean it seriously. Love. Um, I'll be good for you. Really? Yeah, like I legitimately like that song. Um, I mean, it, it sounds a little bit like early, early Michael Jackson. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a sort of a, a rock with you vibe to the song. I think I'm a sucker for space pan sounds, so that's uh, that's a big part of it. But I think that is a very very good song. And I'm from what I've read about it, what I could find online about it is that it's it's very much a Justin Timberlake song. Um, and I think it shows off like what he was doing. And I, you know, cause early in his solo career, they were making, they're making lots of connections with like early Michael with him. And, um, and I think that song, I think the song is really good. Like when it came on, I was like, Oh, Oh, I liked it. And then, and I've, and in fact, when I was listening to it again, when I, like I was getting close to it, I was like, all right, I can, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Like I will, I will listen to that song 
I will definitely be listening to that song on my own um, in the future. I think that is a, and it's funny because, you know, I, I'm really curious to hear JP's response to that. Cause I know JP's <laughs> feelings on the second half of no strings attached. Well, it's kind of mirrors how, how you thought about bye, bye, bye. I have nothing to say. Like it's, I just, it's, it's, it just becomes background music by that by the time that the album gets there. Like it just, I, I kind of I lose interest so so quickly. And I think it's just it, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying that, and the the it did sort of sound Michael Jacksony when I was listening to it. It's kind of uh, unmistakable. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like I liked the back half of this album, by the way. <laughs> and in high school, I was always a weird one, and I probably liked it more. I liked this. I promise you, I loved. I thought she knew the acapella song that it ends with. Um, I also think that's one that shows the reason these five guys were the ones brought together is the yeah, acapella music, the harmonies, the way that their voices blend together. And you get to hear Joey actually sing and realize he's got arguably one of the best voices in the group and you'd never know it because he has like one sentence solo on any of their CDs and it's in that song. Yeah, I, I, I will say uh, I thought she knew I'm not a huge fan of acapella music. It just I don't know it. it it's just something that I've just never really been able to get no, into. I get it, like yeah. I recognize that it takes talent. I just never been able to get into it. Um, I, I liked that song as well. And I, I listening to it, it was, it was, um, you know, a really great to show off that they are, that they aren't just, and I, I'm sure that was intentional because one of the criticisms levied against a lot of the pop acts of the early, of the late nineties, early two thousands was that, um, it was all overly produced and like computers and stuff were, were like making them sound good and, and all of that. And I'm, I'm sure that they were doing this to show that, no, they give them just their voices. They can actually, they can actually do something very pretty. And, um, 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 so like, so I'm, I'm, I'm sharing that Matt to say again, like I didn't actually totally hate it. And I actually came to, to find enjoyment in, 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 in this record and you did broaden my horizon. So, well. I thank you for this. Oh, you're so welcome. And um, I'll take that half patronizing comment and take it seriously <laughs> apart. So I appreciate that. But I also will say, I actually said on our messenger that after listening to Father Chuck and JP discuss Beastie Boys for like an hour and a half, mm -hmm. I appreciated the music a lot more at the end of it because of Father Chuck's discussion. Mm -hmm. um, I still don't want to listen to it again, but <laughs> fine. but oh, really? you gave me an appreciation for the music that was not there when I listened to it the first time, just because I was mm -hmm. so distracted. It's just the sound. I don't have a problem with them. Like I said, I my honest reaction. Like my honest reaction to them is not, "Oh, this is awful. I hate it." It's mm -hmm. just, "This is not me." And I don't want to listen to that's it. That's my honest reaction that's all it to was. So, um, Beastie Boys. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, but I can appreciate what Beastie Boys were doing as far as pioneering a whole different way of doing that kind of music. Whereas in sync, like I said, it's paint by numbers. But sometimes I want to paint by numbers. It's comforting. It's enjoyable. It's relaxing. And yeah. And, yeah. You know, and sometimes it's like, it's sometimes. It's the Bob Ross of art. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to listen to Super Beige by Nicki Minaj. You know, it just it comes and it goes. I mean, I, if I if I just centered my whole life around around Nirvana, I feel like I'd be a pretty miserable person. Mm. Uh, but you know, sometimes like that, boom, 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 baby. You know? uh, I I realize, Matt, you 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 did hold off on your reasonings for choosing this. Yeah, no, I was going to that to the end. Bring that up because, if you wanted to get into your. That's because it wasn't really so much reasons for choosing the album. It was more 
why this was important at the time when it came out was a big deal in high school for me, like 2000s. That was, I mean, what, this came out our sophomore, sophomore year? Sophomore, yeah. Sophomore. So like my, my school experience, I was always the odd man out in school. And I realized that telling this story, there's a problematic element to it, which I can explain. But like junior high and early high school were miserable for me. And I would go home like crying every day because basically people were making fun of saying that I was gay, which I say there's a problematic element because I don't want to shame a group of people by saying that I was ashamed by being called that because that's like if somebody told me, well, the worst thing you could call me is Matt Wells. There's a problematic element to me sharing that it, the, one of the roughest things in high school I went through is being called gay when I am a straight white male. Um, I realize there's a problematic, a problematic element to that because if somebody told me that being called Matt Wells was hurtful, that would hurt my feelings and I don't want to hurt anybody else's feelings. But I was a kid in high school who did not have deeper thoughts about the world and other people. I just was hurt by what people were making fun of me about. Um, and I was always the hopeless romantic, which is what led into their teasing about that. Because when everybody else was dating around and talking about all that, I was the guy who, you know, was chasing the one girl through all of high school. Um, so this music to me was exactly what we were talking about when I listened to it, which was the surface level relationship stuff all about, look, I'm the nice guy who's right here. And it's like, it hurts, you know what I mean? And I know today's world adds a whole nother level with the incel crap. Um, today's world adds a whole nother level of way of viewing that music that can be disturbing if you read yeah. into it. But at the time, it wasn't meant as this like BS incel stuff. It was just, you know, it was the, it was the harmless, hopeless romantic who's just like, maybe someday the girl in my dreams and me will wind up together kind of a thing. Um, and when this album came out and it had a little bit of a backing to it, is you still, I mean, JP, you can attest, you, you know how people reacted every time I told them I was into NSYNC or they got my car and that's what was playing. Yeah. But this was a time in my life where I stopped giving a crap what other people thought um, to the point where JP and I still have that video that's on the internet of us dancing in sync because Megan's uh, Amy's sister taught us how to do the dance um, and we dressed up and did it in front of the entire school to me that level of me finally going I don't care what people say about me I don't care what they think this is fun I enjoy it and this is what I want to do that was a huge time of my life so this album in a weird way falls in line with an important time in my life where it was I'm not going to do it because I think it's cool and I'm not going to do it because I want your approval. I'm going to be into what I'm into because I enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, I couldn't care less. Like I'm not, I was done letting people make me feel bad or ashamed about, about me. So, oh, so, um, so that's why this album's a big deal. Now I will tell you also that, simultaneously listening to this album being 100% obsessed with NSYNC, learning how to dance, dress like them. I also was listening to Slipknot, System of a Down. I mean, like, there's a dark <laughs> side. There's a dark side that I didn't publicize because 
not because again not because i was ashamed of what people thought but because i was like this isn't the way i want to present myself like i could do this and fit in with a group of people but that's not what i'm looking to do i want to be me um it's gonna be me (laughs) but um but yeah so there's two there's a whole different world of music i was into also but this was it was a big deal at that time in life so that's why the cd the album meant so much and i didn't want to bring that up at the beginning because it doesn't have anything to do with the music itself it's just the time in life and when this when this was right so there's that thank you for sharing that matt that's that was very that means a lot to me well you're welcome makes me feel a little bit like a jerk too uh (laughs) that's why i didn't want to share it at the beginning because it doesn't have to do with the music right be on board with you and your stance on how awful it is and I wanted you to have the freedom to say that, <laughs> but I don't think it. I don't think it's awful. I, you know, it's just it's it's not for me. That's my feeling. Yeah, I but know, I know. I, but it, but it, it, it just, as you're talking, as you're saying this, it kind of makes me think of one of one of the scene, a movie scene that I love, and that is um, in Harold and Kamar go to White Castle when Harold and Kamar steal they steal the SUV from like the extreme sports jerks that have kind of been bullying them throughout the whole movie. And they play, they, they play those, uh, they, they, they push play on the CD player and it happens to be, a, there's a Wilson Phillips CD in the, in the CD player. And it's um, someday somebody's going to make you want to turn around and say goodbye. And there's this whole thing where they're like, these guys are posers. <laughs> and then they're like, not like, and then they're trying to like posture, like they don't care about the song and they don't think it's cool. And then like the, it eventually it clips to them, you know, both like singing atop of their lungs, you know, <laughs> that, and, and, the, and, the, and it's that triumphant moment. And it's something that we saw in the early two thousands in movies where that, that, the beginning of subverting, uh, cultural expectations around what you're supposed to be into, what you're supposed to look like. And I think, you know, so hearing you say this, Matt, the fact that you were listening to InSync while also listening to Slipknot and all those sorts of things, it's like, you do you, man. I'm glad that you're, you were taking some ownership in who you wanted to be. And if you wanted to be the person who could listen to Slipknot and to InSync, then that's awesome. Because, you know, I think for me, like I felt a lot of times a certain pressure to, you know, to have to conform to, you know, like the person who listens to alternative rock. And that means that I can't enjoy, you know, these other things as well. So what I'm saying is I think you may, you may, especially at that time have been a more enlightened being than the rest of us. So. Uh, well, how things have changed. Cause not anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of stayed there. Yeah. I just kind of stayed there. The rest of you grew. And <laughs> yeah. Well, Okay, well, uh, if nobody else has anything else to say about uh, NSYNC and No Strings Attached, I think we can go into what we're going to listen to next week. Okay, so a- Amy, I-, I hear that you've selected an album for Music Mayhem. Would you like to jump into our rotation and tell us what we're going to yes. listen to next week? Okay, great. What is it? What, what are we doing? So I want to introduce, first of all, everyone to an old technology. This is how we used to purchase albums. It would come in this plastic case. I don't have the actual <laughs> CD a bunch here, up here, but here would be a CD. Then, with each album purchase, you would get a tiny book that most often had lyrics in it, and it had some artistic photos of your band. I wish more than anything I had my No Strings Attached one right it now. It smells. <laughs> ah, that smell. So I actually purchased this album recently at an FYE. How old school is that? She I went, took it out of the plastic wrapper. She went to FYE well, and bought a I got a car a with a six CD changer in it, and I'm like reestablishing my book. All right. So the album that I have chosen is Audio Slaves Self-Titled. So we are now stepping out of the 90s and jumping all the way up to 2002 for this one. Um, 
I picked this one. I was first leaning towards corn issues and I gave <laughs> that a listen through and holy cow, like that number three song is like pedophilia to the max. I cannot figure out how they put that out there. It's, <laughs> it's hard. Anyway, so yeah, very dark. Went away from that. We've been listening to this in my family in my car for about a month now. My son loves it. Why I think that this album is important, I think there's a lot of material here, especially um, because it does bring us into, you know, Soundgarden and the whole 90s angst, grunge, suicide uh, <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, um, but Audio Slave is a mashup band of Soundgarden meets Rage Against the Machine. So it's Chris Cornell of Soundgarden with the members of Rage Against the Machine. This album in particular, it's like a prayer. There are so many songs on this album. Um, uh, he has Show Me How to Live, uh, Light My Way. Both of these songs are like a soul, like crying out to its creator for... Um, guidance and I think that is so interesting because you really see sort of the development of Chris Cornell and what he went through so a strong contrast to the InSync where you say like oh this music and these lyrics were manufactured and the guys just kind of stepped in like Chris Cornell and his in his music uh life and his work really exposed his soul in a huge way and in a way that I think ultimately killed him especially because you see how much he grew through his music in spirit. And then right before he passed away, he rejoined Soundgarden. And it makes me wonder what it was like for him to go back to the energy of the songs of Soundgarden, which were very, very dark and hopeless. Anyways, so this, You're Welcome, is a wonderful album. It's so good. You have 14 songs of glory to enjoy. Um, and then we will gather together. That is awesome. I I also owned that album, Amy, when it came out, uh, and uh, I was a huge Audio Slave fan because in, in college I I, I went I, I had a Audio Slave T-shirt that I bought from Hot Topic that I wore all the time in college uh, uh, that I occasionally wore with some spiked bracelets. But then Matt made fun of me. Maybe I stopped a, doing maybe it. a ball chain necklace. <laughs> Wait, what did you say about me? <laughs> I said I used to wear, occasionally wear it with spiked bracelets, but then Matt made fun of me, and I stopped doing that. <laughs> See, enlightened mind. Can we please come? <laughs> Everyone dress next week as alternative rock as possible. Ah, uh, gosh, I, 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 I might still have that audio slave shirt somewhere. I don't think it fits anywhere, but uh, that would be Just awesome. Cut out the audio slave and then safety pin it to the. Front of <laughs> that's, <shirt>. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's the yeah yeah I could do that. Um, but yeah, that's that's an awesome album. So everyone, please uh, go out and listen to Audio Slaves, uh, 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 self-titled album, and uh, prepare to rock out this week as we talk about that. Amy, thank you so much for selecting our album, and thank you so much for uh, participating in, in this week's episode and next week's as well. You're <laughs> always welcome, of course. <laughs> uh, I want to thank uh, our other uh, uh, Masters of Divinity, uh, Father Chuck. Thank you for all of your insight and your, and your wisdom and your, and your 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 expertise. My bitterness and my uh, <laughs> no, you're welcome. And thank you for uh, and, and like I said, to, and thank you to Matt for picking this past album because, like I said, in a, in, a, in the in my little reaction video, that I think regardless of what happens, it would be the impetus for a great episode of, of our show. And I think that's what we've had. 
Great. And Matt, thank you for selecting this week's album and uh, for, 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 for all of that and, and everything that you shared. It was, uh, it was really great hearing that. And, you know, we, we were friends in high school and, and I was, I was at ground zero seeing all this. And, 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 I, and I think because of Matt's uh, not being afraid to express what he likes sort of led me to kind of appreciate NSYNC and sort of be loud about it as well. And, and, and I, I, I want to say, I believe I stood with you in solidarity from that point on when it came to NSYNC in, in high school. Yeah, I mean, you danced with me in solidarity. <laughs> I think we're in, we're in a selfie right now. <laughs> are we doing, are we doing a selfie thing? <laughs> that is all the time we have. Uh, go listen to Audio Slave. Join us again next week. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs>